You're listening to Artistic Finance, show 79. On today's show, I chat about NFTs with host of NFTs for Newbies, Heather Parody. We start the show with a fire round of NFT vocabulary terms, then discuss what NFTs are, what to do with them, and how to buy and sell them. She also brings up a point at the end about how leaders are needed in the NFT space. Anyone listening right now could become such a leader. Today's conversation will show you that going from novice to expert can happen just by asking questions, letting those answers fuel more questions, and getting involved in the space. Now, the first 20 minutes of this episode is the vocabulary fire round. If you know a bit about NFTs and crypto, feel free to skip that section. If you don't know what fungible, web 3.0, or hodl mean, then listen to Heather's super simple explanations. And you can always replay this section of the episode for a quick refresher course on terms. Links to everything we discuss is in the show notes or at artisticfinance.com. So without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. We're recording this December 10th, 2021. The Omicron strain of COVID-19 has caused havoc in the world, but not as much as we thought it might. Broadway is still open. Proof of vaccine for years five and up are required to go see a show. Everyone has to wear a mask, but theater is happening. Of course, the holiday season is in full force now, which reminds me, if you haven't opened a Roth IRA for yourself, consider opening one and buy yourself a little gift of stock bonds or index funds. I'm not going to recommend buying NFTs at this moment, but you could also consider that. <laughs> Welcome and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel. Today, I have Heather Parody here on the podcast. Welcome, Heather. Thanks so much for having me. It's so ironic. Like I, I would never dreamed I would ever be on a show like this because I'm such a newbie in all these different areas. So this is just an honor and also very scary for me. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm not worried because most of the people listening right now probably have no idea what an NFT is other than it's something that's going on right now. And so we all sort of know that it exists. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? My goodness, I'm a mom and a wife and have two awesome little girls. They're the bomb.com and I am a creator. So I, I left my career, my full-time career about three, three and a half years ago and decided I was a therapist and decided to venture off into the online space and create an online business, mostly for the freedom of time where I wanted to be able to make my own schedule and spend time with my girls and go to their things and et cetera. Um, and so I've been working with content creators and started a freelance business, which scaled into like more of a consultancy strategy business and uh, just making a ton of content, but started podcasting about right around that time. I've hosted three shows since then. And our latest venture is NFTs for newbies, which uh, was a reluctant little side project that we created just so we could learn about NFTs. But since then has turned into a full-fledged business now where <laughs> We have sponsors and a whole bunch of listeners and a team, and it's just overwhelming and crazy. Um, but it's also held our butts to the fire to learn more about NFTs because a lot of people are curious about them, uh, just like we were. And and I have binged your show, and it is fantastic. Thank you. On this show, we're going to talk about them for an episode or two. If someone listening really wants to know and really wants to know it from zero to up to date, 
your show is fantastic and super easy to listen to. And you guys are like super relatable hosts. I appreciate that. If you know about this world, don't listen to our show because it'll annoy you because we're very, 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 very elementary. We were frustrated because we wanted to learn about NFTs and the, the terms and everything that people were throwing around. It's like we we don't come from the financial space. Like we we didn't have a history in cryptocurrency. We knew nothing, but we still wanted to learn. And so it's very elementary if that's somebody's jam. Can you describe your demographics for us? Well, I am a female and I'm in my 30s and um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Were you born and raised in Atlanta? I wasn't. I was in I was born and raised in Arkansas, stuck to the south, still southern. <laughs> I'm married with two kids and I have a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in mental health counseling. Okay. So your creative and financial personalities, what is a piece of art that you like? I'm not, okay. I know this is very like counterculture, not popular thing to say. I'm not huge into like painting art and drawing art, which is ironic since I'm in the NFT space. I love photography more than anything. I love like portraits and uh, black and white. I love Sam Jones. His work is some of my favorite. Sue Bryce. I, I love photography. And that's another cool thing about the NFT space is, you know, right now it's really highlighting the traditional artists, but there are a bunch of other creative ways to use NFTs and, and make art and photographers. Like we just got dropped a couple of, uh, from a listener who's a phenomenal photographer, dropped us a couple of his NFTs in our wallet the other day. And I got pumped about that because I love his photography. It was super, super cool. So yeah. I also love that you love portraits. Cause I remember growing up, I was always like, what's the point of a portrait? And as I've grown older, I see more in a portrait than I did. <laughs> oh, there's there, there's so much and there's just so much symbolism of just like, you know, the, the life in that and like the, the moment you're never, ever going to get back and you see people, you know what I mean? Like I think photography, you really, really see the person or a good photographer will be able to capture the essence of a human. And I think that's just it's such a beautiful thing. All right. So your financial personality, are you good or bad with money. Yes and no. I don't I don't know. We started we really started my husband and I we started we've always been budget people, but when 2020 happened, we decided to really lock in and pay attention to where every penny was going and every dollar and measure that. And we paid off a, a lot of debt in one year and we were shocked how much money we were actually spending by passively living life. It was nuts. Um I'm interested in money but I'm very intimidated by it because I was never really taught how to deal with it. And especially entering into this NFT space, you know, like it's not just about cryptocurrency and blockchain and NFTs. There's such a, a financial literacy component to it where you need to understand the bigger picture and what's going on. And I, I've just been shocked at how little I do know um, entering into this space um, where the education system let us down, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> But I will say, actually, my observation, I don't know you, but I've listened to your show about NFTs. You take that same attitude with NFTs, which is intimidated by them, but I'm learning. And I would say you now know more about NFTs than many, many, many people. And so you're a master at it. And I think the same thing is with finance. You can be intimidated by it, but just like you in 2020, focusing on it, it's suddenly you're actually probably pretty good with it. Well, this is what I've, I've learned about being a creator in general, because I've been podcasting for a long time, putting out, you know, videos and blah, 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 blah. It's if, if you really want something, you have to be willing to look dumb for a little while and be okay with that. And I think we, we make it worse in our brain than it actually is. Like, 
I appreciate you saying that, but I would, I would consider myself really ignorant when it comes to NFTs and stuff. And it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, this month alone, we're going to hit a hundred thousand downloads in one month. And I have a hundred thousand people listening to me potentially say the wrong thing. And that it's such an ego check um, because I'm like, okay, am I really in this for education? If so, I'm going to be willing to be look dumb a little bit or wrong because I'm stumbling or is this an ego thing where I want people to think I'm an expert? And I think a lot of times we want to go into things we don't know as an expert and we can't. So that's kind of the premise of what Rich and I really want to do is make being a newbie okay, because there's nothing wrong with not knowing. There's nothing wrong with making a mistake. There's nothing wrong with saying, I don't, you know, I mean, I told you about before this, I don't know the answer to some of the stuff you asked in, in the pre-interview or whatever. And I got to get comfortable with that because that's the only way I'm going to learn. Okay. Perfect segue into our conversation on NFTs. Let's go. Six months ago, I was going to do an episode on it and I just got overwhelmed. And I was like, this is too crazy. I, I don't even know where to start. So I put it on the back burner. In preparation for this interview, I started looking into NFTs and it is overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Before we even start, if, if people listening want to skip five minutes, go ahead. We're going to do a quick fire round of NFT vocabulary. We're just going to give really simple definitions just so people know in their brain, like they'll sort of recognize the word. The reason we're doing this, Heather, is because your NFT for newbies, you break down things very simply. And so I figure you are the perfect person to give us the Joe Dirt answer to what these are. So what is an NFT? Non-fungible token. Fungible. Yes. So fungible, I can't I can't give quick little definitions. I'm a I'm a analogy story sure, sure. elementary gal here. So let's talk about that. So that means essentially that there are many of them and that it can be kind of replaced. So if you think about dollar bills, like physical dollar bills, uh, they all equal one dollar. And if I give you a dollar and I go give Janet a dollar and go to down and get me a diet coke and give them a dollar, which is probably gonna be like three dollars because those things are expensive. <laughs> so I mean those are those are replaceable. Uh non-fungible means that it's like a one a one-time thing or it's it's very very rare so it's the difference between I used this really silly analogy in a TikTok video once where I had a big old basket of Cheez-Its uh, those are fungible because there's they're all equal there are there's many of them uh, but what's rare would be like a piece of, of art or a collectible or an old rookie football card, Jerry Rice, San Francisco 49ers, you know, that is non-fungible, meaning it can't be replaced and there's not many of them. That's my Heather definition. Cryptocurrency is fungible, right? Like a Bitcoin is fungible. A Bitcoin is fungible. Yes. Okay. Um, underbanked or unbanked? Again, this goes back to my ignorance before that, but underbanked is just simply the understanding that not everybody in the world has the privilege uh, have access to a bank account. Um, unbanked or underbanked, I actually had to look up the term of that because I didn't know, Ethan. Uh, but it says here that underbanked means that the household had a checking or savings account with FDIC insured institution, but regularly used alternative financial services. And I didn't know that. I learned that doing the research for this. And that, that I, the reason I ask about that, um, I, okay, so I'm in the artistic community, right? So our, our listeners uh, are connected to the arts in some way. They are very adamant about climate change and about uh, environmentalism and sustainability. And so NFTs and cryptocurrency are this villain, mm. but the unbanked and underbanked situation, I feel like NFT and cryptocurrency is not gonna hurt that. 
So it's it's sort of enabling more people. There's a lot of things to fix. And that again, that that goes back to me, me learning more about the big picture here. There's got to be some solutions to the way we use NFTs right now and the energy that's being used and all that. So yeah, we've got to have some innovation. Uh, DeFi. Um, decentralized finance. And I learned that because we had a uh, Brad on from the five podcast. I believe it's called, I forgot what his show was called, um, but he's brilliant. And his show goes under that. I don't really know much about decentralized finance in general, but that's what that stands for. So centralized finance is really like the United States has a central bank and, yeah. and they control the money. DeFi is the people, well, you know, not a single entity controlling it. Fiat and specifically fiat currency. Yeah. It's, it's our dollars. It's our banking system. It's physical money that we use right now cryptocurrency. It's digital money. It is digital money. Essentially, that's what it is. It's currency that we use digitally. Blockchain. Oh my God, that's a good one. <laughs> Explain the blockchain. <laughs> um, this is this is the technical way of saying it. It's the blockchain is a system of recording information in a way that makes it difficult or impossible to change, hack, or cheat a system. So Heather's bit of this is it's really a way to remove the middleman out of transactions. And it's kind of more of a, a, a group of people that come together and take full ownership of the transactions and the history and everything that's going on and they do that through the blockchain. It's super confusing and simple all at the same time. It's, I think high level, it makes sense. But when you get into the weeds of it, like miners and all that, which we'll go into in a second, it, it's very complex. But also, like you said, very simple. Like we don't need to understand the complexity of it. And I also threw in blockchain because cryptocurrency is blockchain, well, is based on blockchain. So they're not interchangeable technically. Right, right. And yeah, go okay. ahead. Bitcoin. Yeah, that's what I was going to go into it with Bitcoin. So this is something that I'm learning because I always kind of put that cryptocurrency and a blockchain was like two separate things. But to your point, you know, when we create a blockchain, we create this technology, we have to have a way to transact and interact with that. And that's where the cryptocurrency is birthed from. That's kind of how I understand it. And so Bitcoin is a blockchain. And um, I always thought Bitcoin is cryptocurrency. Bitcoin is a blockchain and Bitcoin is a, a, a token that you can use within the blockchain. Same thing with Ethereum and so forth. Uh, that's what I understand that to be. Bitcoin, you got the Bitcoin, you rich right now because it was, I remember when they started talking about it like years ago, I was so annoyed. I'm like, I don't want to hear anything about all this. This is so confusing or whatever. And now that I'm learning about Ethereum and all that, and I'm like, oh, she. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ethereum. Ethereum. Yeah, this was interesting. And I, I didn't know this. I just learned this the other day where, you know, Bitcoin had its blockchain and they saw some things that they wanted to switch in that. So they made the Ethereum blockchain and started asking themselves the question, are we able to put in uh, a smart contract within the bits of information? And that's where NFTs were born from was the Ethereum blockchain. And so Ethereum is a cryptocurrency on the blockchain that is the primary ways of primary means of buying an NFT. It's a cryptocurrency. I'm not going too deep in this. You want it simple. No, no, these, these are good. These are good. It's, this is also we just have a familiarity with, you know, if you didn't know what Ethereum was, now you have an idea. Mining. Yeah. So there's these guys and gals called miners, and essentially they are validating what is on the blockchain and they're kind of closing loops on that. They're actually like the tech people in it, validating the transactions and making the money and so forth. Um, they're called miners, but that's what they do. Minted. Yeah. That's when you 
pretty much take your art, your work, and actually put it on the blockchain where it's forever. So it's kind of like a brand, like when you brand, that's horrible, but when they used to brand cows and stuff, maybe they still do that. It's kind of like that. It's like, oh, it makes breaks my heart. Um, It's making it official on the blockchain. So that's where the code and stuff is solidified. Um, And especially too, like within smart contracts, if you have a smart contract within your NFT. Staking and proof of stake and proof of work. Yeah, I actually had to look this up because I didn't know even. Um, So I'm going to read this directly. Staking is a way to put your crypto to work and earn rewards on it. So staking cryptocurrencies is a process that involves committing your crypto assets to support a blockchain network and confirm transactions. It's available with cryptocurrencies that use the proof of stake model to process payments. I have never heard of this nor learned about it in our show. Um, Again, this is where our newbie stuff comes in. And I'm proudly say that I don't understand this. And I've been living and eating and breathing this for the past few months. Um, So if this stuff intimidates you, it's okay, because I don't know this either. And I'm just going to say that proof of stake versus proof of work on a blockchain, some blockchains are confirmed by proof of work, which means the code has to be figured out for everyone. And then proof of stake, whoever has the most of it, you know, if everybody agrees that that's the correct one, that's the way they go. Man, this is technical. You know a ton, Ethan. Like you need to have like (laughs) NFTs for intermediates at least. (laughs) I'll probably cut some of these complex ones out here. Oh, good. (laughs) Okay. Smart contract? Yeah, smart contract is really, I think, one of the most interesting elements of an NFT. Essentially what it is, is it's the agreement underneath that art, that work, that digital asset that you bought, that the buyer will receive XYZ from either the creator or something else or some extra bit there. And not all NFTs have a smart contract within them, but they have the capability of having a smart contract. And the cool thing is, is sometimes that deliverable is known off the bat. And sometimes it's just like a a means to add extra perks in that are um, maybe used as surprises. So sometimes a, a creator will be like, hey, here's my NFT or whatever. And they're able to surprise the people who own those and drop extra bonus stuff. Uh, through that NFT. It's just like a little perk in it. Um, but that's where I think it's revolutionizing everything else because it's it's essentially a fancy membership that you buy. An NFT can now be like a membership to something. And on your show, you had a lawyer on who said the word contract, she wishes that wasn't, or they wish that that wasn't part of the word smart contract because it's just part of the code that's put into the blockchain or the NFT at the very beginning. Isn't that interesting? So it's not actually a contract or legally binding thing, but it's explaining how this specific blockchain or code is going to work. Yeah. And it's interesting too. Rich, Rich and I've talked about it before. What is the repercussions of not fulfilling your smart contract? Like, is there somebody there to actually, besides like it being a really bad for your brand? I mean, is there anything legally that's going to get you in trouble for that? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's it's interesting. A uh, crypto wallet. Yeah. So why am I buying all these digital art? What, what am I going to do with this? I can't hang this on my wall. No, what you do is you put it in your wallet, which again is a, a digital wallet. It's essentially what holds everything that you've bought. And what's interesting about a wallet right now is they can, you know, be made public. 
and some people are using them as kind of like social proof or flex moves, like check out what's in my wallet. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's an interesting thing. Essentially it's just used to hold your NFTs, but also too, it's kind of being, yeah, I know I heard Gary V say once that he can see that kind of being almost like a resume or, you know, when people want to do research on you and check it out, you know, they can see what it's in your wallet and see where you've been and what's going on in your world and what's important to you. And sorry, side tangent here. I just saw on the news this morning that there is now a web 3.0 search engine, which means that you can, if you know a certain NFT, you can look it up and find out who owns it or what wallets it is in or something like that. That's nuts. Nuts. Okay. Key. And maybe this is crypto key. Key. I I actually message rich about this because you had key and seed phrase different and i've always used those interchangeably that essentially it's the it's more than just a password to something so essentially i've always understood something to be unlocked online through a password right they're able to secure your wallet with a seed phrase i've always used key interchangeably with that and essentially it's a uh, i believe it's 12 to 24 word series of words that you use to get into your wallet and this is something that's really important they they changed the name recently from seed phrase to secret secret phrase. Um, And the reason being is because when they originally called it seed phrase, people didn't understand the reverence of it. And that if this was something that is super important, so that's why they changed from seed to secret, Uh, but you will never be asked for your phrase ever. You'll not be asked by your wallet. You'll be not be asked by uh, an exchange. There will be no one who will ever ask that for you. Even like MetaMask is my wallet. The, the people in MetaMask, they don't have that stored. Like they can't access that. They shouldn't have to. And so if anyone ever asks you for that, they try to steal everything up in your wallet. So um, what you need to do, you know, there's there's ways different to secure that, but it needs to be secured offline in some way. So people can't hack because essentially when they get that phrase, they can get into your wallet and take everything. Okay. And this is me not having a wallet and not knowing. Sure. Hence me saying key and seed phrase are different things. Okay. Those are the same thing. Okay. Gas fees. Transaction fees. So there's going to, even if you get a free NFT, often you're going to have to still pay what they say, the gas fees, which is essentially paying those miners that we talked about earlier. Uh, It goes towards that. So there's still energy that's being used or still something has to be paid from a transaction. So we normally have to front that. All right. And then these next vocabulary terms the the reason I'm asking about these ones sort of is because in I'm trying to figure out how do NFTs work in live events. That's me trying to figure this out is how, how we can apply it here. So web 3.0. So what I understand that to be, I heard a really interesting definition. Maybe you can include it in your show notes where Congress was interviewing some super smart dude about it and trying to get wrapped their heads around it. And he explained it in the three waves of the internet where kind of the first wave of it was like, we put out information like on a billboard, you come and you consume the information. And that was kind of like the first second wave was when we were able as the user to come in and actually create content. So we're not going to the billboard and just reading the information. We're able to go up to the billboard and edit things and add our own information and interact with each other, social media, blah, 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 blah. Three is when they're trying to take out the middleman out of the internet and make it way more about the community being able to edit each other, as opposed to being these big corporations that are controlling and monitoring, altering, 
the internet. And so what I understand it to be is just a decentralized way of interacting online, kind of the same premise of what the blockchain is. And that's where, you know, we go into things like the utility of NFTs and how they're actually going to be being used as an exchange and a way to interact. It's not just about the artwork and that's where the smart contracts come in and so forth. It's super complicated. I feel like we're at the very beginning and we're kind of seeing the myths of what's about to happen and people are just trying to figure it out, but that's the basic understanding of it. Metaverse. (laughs) The thing that's going to take over the world. (laughs) The metaverse, from what I understand, it's essentially going to be a digital world that we walk into and can hopefully walk out of. One thing I was wrong about with the metaverse is I assumed the metaverse was one entity. Like there was the metaverse, right? That's kind of how we refer to it. But there are multiple metaverses that people are working and creating on creating. So kind of the way that I'm conceptualizing this right now is it seems as though I can go into this metaverse over here and my husband might be in a different metaverse. And then my child on the couch may be in a completely different metaverse. And essentially it's almost like a, I I see it kind of like as a video game, a very complex video game that you enter into and interact, but it's not just for pleasure. There are workspaces in metaverse. There's going to be community gatherings. There's going to be birthday parties. There's going to be real, I mean, that people are buying real estate in the metaverse right now. Like it's literally an alternate reality that we're working on. And I think that's where people are completely freaked out because they're like, this is black mirror type crap happening. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the way I think it's going to happen for me, it's like there's going to be the Broadway metaverse. You just go log in or whatever and you go into the Broadway metaverse and it's a big field. And then like the Lion King will have a building and you can go into the Lion King building and then the old musicals from the 1930s will have a building and you can go in there and talk with all the people that that's how I envision metaverse. Somebody said once that <laughs> they they are envisioning where, you know, some of the NFT, the artwork and the stuff that we're buying will actually hang in the metaverse. And so like, if you have a piece, you know, at the Lion King theater or whatever, we walk by and be like, oh, look at it or whatever. Like, look at artistic finances uh, piece right here. Isn't this beautiful? That's owned by Ethan. So it's interesting how all that's going to work. Eventually, all in good time. You can save this for later if you want. NFT 2.0. I don't know. Slash utility NFT. Okay, we'll t- I'll ask about that later. <laughs> and then HODL. <laughs> this is such a, such a, me and Rich mispronounced this. We called it HODL. Right, HODL them. Essentially, it's like, hold on to your NFTs. Um, that term actually came from Reddit where someone, um, I forgot what they were referencing. I think it might've been Bitcoin where somebody was typing really fast or mistyped, like hold on to them. And somehow it came on to like hodl. And so now it's just been kind of a term that people use to say like, hold on, even if things are dropping, like if your NFT price is dropping, if you're, if the Ethereum's dropping, hold on to it and just ride out that wave because you know, like it fluctuates so much. And there's a lot of people who are just, the other term of that would be called paper hands. So if you you know, sell something too fast, which I've done, um, because you get scared because the price is dropping. The the alternative to that is hodl. Hodl, hodl on to them. And I like to say hodl just because the musical theater listeners will know that hodl is one of the daughters of Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, my <laughs> husband loves that show. Loves that movie. He's watched that so many. That's hilarious. All right. So that took longer than I anticipated. Sorry. But 
Thank you. No, but that shows my that shows my beginner state of it because it's hard to just pop things out because I kind of have to talk it out a little bit because it's it's literally another language. It's literally another world that we're having to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you can see that me and my audience probably knows very little. So some of these things I ask, and you're like, I don't know what that is. You know a lot. It, like it, you know a ton, dude. Well, no, but I know just from looking up. Like I I just know. But I don't even know what I don't know because I'm asking things and you're like, that's not relevant. And I didn't know it wasn't relevant, you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. So thank you for doing that. So now let's start again with more of an explanation. So what is an NFT? It's a digital asset that you buy. So essentially anything that you could put in um, a digital format, um, it could be it could be a piece of art, it could be a song, it could be a sound, it could be a video. Anything that you can make digital um, is an NFT. And so people buy them to collect them because they enjoy the work and the art, but also to people buy it as a, as a means of ownership of like there's some utility there with a smart contract. Like I buy this NFT and like stoner cats, Ashton Kutcher and his wife, um, forgive me, I can't remember her name. Um, she's actually the one who spearheaded it, the, the stoner cats, but they, they made the NFTs where if I own this picture of this cat, I can watch their cartoon that they're making. And so it's, it's essentially can be a fancy membership to something as well. Got it. And I always thought it was a piece of art, but it's, it's not art can be an NFT, but not all NFTs are art. A hundred percent. And I think that's where things are, are shifting and why things are becoming kind of more mainstream is corporations are picking up on this and figuring out these are ways that they can grow their businesses. Um, and again, build community because in the business space community, I mean, if you have an audience, if you have a community, I mean, you're going to kill it, right? This is a way to kind of grow a community because if I have 10,000 NFTs and I have 10,000 holders and I'm constantly dropping them value, I'm making them feel special through smart contracts, through being able to incentivize them for having this NFT, that makes my project go up in value because every, I don't know if we mentioned this or not, you know, in the smart contract, you can have how much money your, the artist makes every time that sells. So we're not making a sell just once when I pay, when you buy an NFT from me, I don't just make money. Then when you sell it to your best friend, that transaction fee, I get a percentage of that. And when he sells it to his best friend, that the artist, the creator of that NFT is constantly, you know, getting paid every time it moves hands. And so it's a way to make money, <laughs> essentially, you know, more than one time. So so I also don't understand that because like when it's traded and the original artist gets their royalty, like what, is, what are they getting it in? How are they getting paid? And then also I'm always thinking like the gas fees, the transaction costs. The transaction fees and the gas fees are completely separate. That's something that, you know, if, if you, if your, your NFT is a hundred dollars, I'm going to speak in dollars here. I'm going to have to pay that $100 and then I'm paying gas fees to the miners. I'm not paying that towards you. That has nothing to do with you as the creator. And I believe the artists, you know, they set up how much they want to be paid in royalties and how much they want to be paid um, with future transactions. And that's just a part part of the agreement when you buy it. You have to build your NFT on a blockchain. So say you build it on the Ethereum blockchain. So then you sell it to somebody. There's gas fees for whoever buys it, um, and that's paid separately. So if it's $100, they pay like $10 in transaction fee. So then when they sell it, person buying from them pays the transaction fee, 
but then that $100 that they trade it for or whatever amount they trade it for. Part of that goes back to you. Gets funneled back. And that's just part of the code that's built in. Yeah. So so you see the incentive here for people creating collections that are very popular. It's not just about, oh, I made a million ducks dollars out of the gate. Oh, wow. For the existence of this project until I trade ownership of it, I'm going to be getting paid royalties through every transaction. And I also view NFT as an investment. That's sort of where in this world, I'm like, you invest in an NFT. So as of, as of like right now, today, you own NFTs. What do you do with them? So here we go. Let me let me break all this down for you. I am not a financial advisor and everything I'm about to say, do not take me to the bank for this. this is just my opinion. You can view Ethereum as an investment. First of all, let's just start there. So the, the cryptocurrency you use to buy the NFT, uh, that fluctuates in price. When we first bought Ethereum, I believe it was in the $2,000 range and it fluctuates between, you know, high end 3000 to 4000 low end right now and that's projected to go up but you know with anything it could go back down too so that could be right there just an investment now when we get into nfts there are short term you know trading and then there's long term investments when i first entered this space like many newbies is you think oh how can i flip this and make some quick money um and you can but you it's not as easy as you think and the more you know, projects that are coming into this space, the less likely you're going to be able to find something like that. And so it's really important to do your homework and and make more, I would say, bank more on long-term investments. So there are some pieces that we have that I honestly just love the artist and the creator, and I want to support them. And I don't give a rat's ass about flipping or anything like that. Like, this is just something that I love these people and their art period. There's that. Then there's been stuff that we've bought that has gone up tremendously in value and we've sold and we just wanted to because like we made several thousand dollars and that was cool. There are other things that you will not pry this from my weary hands. We're not giving, <laughs> giving it up. We're holding on. Them. <laughs> there we go. That because we really see the long-term play here. So let me give an example. Tom Billu, we love him. Um, he is the CEO of Quest and Impact Theory, and he's really wanting to use NFTs as a means to storytell and build feature films. And you're going to see a lot more of that from creatives. Um, so he's building, you know, a whole world around a Christmas story and he has four characters. And this is a, he said, a, you know, a five-year 10 year project. This isn't something he even said, you know, at the very beginning, when you buy these NFTs, they're probably going to go down in value over the year um, because they're Christmas themed. People aren't going to see the big deal on it. They're looking for a quick flip, but hold on to them because over the next five years or so, we're going to build this into, I mean, he recruited like cartoonists and animators from Disney, people who have worked on massive projects before to come and help him build this world. And so we knew going into it, we bought several NFTs and bought into that project. And he was right. They've gone down in value, but we don't care because we really believe in Tom and we know that he's creating a multimedia empire and we want to be a part of that. So I think, you know, yes, you can do some day trading, be smart about it, pay attention. You can also lose a lot, a lot of money. So be careful. Um, but also to think about the community and the artists, and do you believe that what they're building is going to be something that you want to be a part of in five years? And it's a patience game. I, I love that because I, when I think of an NFT, I, I don't really think that I want to buy like a painting. 
I do like that idea more of buying into something that's growing or living or I can interact with. And what's cool about that as a creative is that, you know, depending on what's in your smart contract and depending on what's on your, and here's another good term for you guys to pay attention to. It's called a roadmap, which is essentially the plan, the vision of the NFT project. And most roadmaps are on websites where they could say, you know, December of 2021, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going to be in March and blah, blah, blah. Um, but depending on the project and the roadmap and what they're planning, a lot of creatives are thinking about how can we give voice to our community to have a say in what's going to happen in this story. So if you're a holder of an NFT and we're creating a cartoon, they could actually vote on what happens to the character or what you name him. And so it's, again, like a, a voice of a community versus just I'm going to create something and hope it gets consumed. Okay, so investing in an NFT versus cryptocurrency, I guess NFT seems more risky to me because you have to really pick the right one. Yeah, maybe you could view it that you could view it that way. Um, I think it, it depends on the creator, like Gary Vaynerchuk, Tom Billy, people like that who I really respect and admire. And you can call me crazy all day long, but they have a lot of haters too. But for me, I trust them fully and, and, and their creative vision. Will their project fail? Maybe, but I'm willing to go down with them because of whatever. So to me, that's less risky than Ethereum. <laughs> Maybe that's not financially the smartest thing to think about it, but I know those people versus Ethereum just being something completely out of everybody's control. But um, I will say I've seen better odds with banking on Ethereum. Like, I didn't, I, this is not financial advice at all, but my dad like was saying, Hey, I don't know what you're doing with this whole thing, but I want to invest. And I said, well, dad, because he's not interested in learning about this world. It's way over his head. I completely understand. I advised him. I'm like, I would consider just investing in cryptocurrency, um, versus NFTs. Cause you need to learn about NFTs in order to really do it. You know, I don't have an NFT. I don't have a wallet. If I want to buy an NFT after this episode, how can I do it and where do I do that? There are several different blockchains um, that you can buy NFTs off of. So Ethereum's not the only one. There's many, 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 many. Solana is a close second, I think. And they're trying to solve for the problem of all the energy and the issues and the, the gas fees and all the, you know, the, the list of things with Ethereum, which side note, I don't know a ton about it, but I know Ethereum 2.0 is coming, which is hopefully going to help with a little bit of that. But you know, depending on where you're, first of all, like, let's say you have a project in mind, figure out what blockchain it's on. So if it's a Solana blockchain versus an Ethereum blockchain, like where is this NFT being sold? Okay. For the sake of this, let's say it's Ethereum. So we know that you can buy this, this picture of this glass off the Ethereum blockchain. What you need to do is first invest in Ethereum, right? So you're going to have to find an exchange um, where you exchange your dollars for Ethereum. Okay. So Coinbase is a really, really popular one from that. From there, we need to create a wallet. Um, there's many, many, many different wallets. Coinbase even has a wallet. We use MetaMask. Uh, I just like MetaMask. I like the Fox. He's cool. Um, there's a variety of, of wallets that you do, but you need to create a, a wallet. And remember we talked about the secret phrase, secret recovery phrase, and that's going to be given to you. It's very simple. I, last one I made, 
I think I had it up within 10 minutes. I mean, it was very, very fast. And essentially, so we have the exchange here where we change our dollars for Ethereum or whatever cryptocurrency you're buying and we have your wallet. Now, the only thing that we need to do is uh, connect our wallet to Coinbase and transfer um, and, and just connect those two together. So when I transfer my money from Coinbase into my MetaMask wallet, that's, that's our gold right there. So we have our money in our MetaMask wallet. And there's one more thing we got to do. <laughs> we got to find where we're going to buy our NFT. So a lot of projects you can buy directly from their website, like if they're just launching. Uh, but places um, like OpenSea, it's a, a secondary exchange. It's kind of like the eBay, the Amazon of NFTs, where um, a lot of projects, especially after they launch, will be on OpenSea. Um, that's where we can buy NFTs from Paul, who bought this NFT, regretted it, and decided to put it back on OpenSea. So the last step is we connect our MetaMask wallet to um, our exchange, wherever we're buying, our marketplace, which for this sake, we'll say OpenSea. And so we can pick out our NFT off there and we purchase it directly through our wallet. Um, so what I said here is four steps. We exchange our money from regular dollars to a place like Coinbase exchange. This exchange needs to be linked to our wallet. And, and our wallet is where we hold our money and our NFTs. And we link that to an exchange like, or a marketplace like OpenSea. And then the same thing for cashing out. So if you want to sell your NFT, exchange that money back into Ethereum and exchange it back into dollars, you would go backwards from that chain. And I will say one last thing on that. That's all you got to do is... Um, there's transaction fees for all of that. And I think that's where a lot of money is getting eaten up right now is it's not just buying the NFT, but you think about changing $100 into an Ethereum and then Ethereum over to the wallet and the wallet over to here. Like there's all these different gas fees and transaction fees, $10 here, $15 here and all that. And it can add up really fast. I, I don't know why I'm so worried about the fees, but I just see everything being so fee heavy. It sort of turns me off for no reason because there's fees to do anything in the world. I don't think it's for no reason. I think that's smart. I mean, that's a lot of money. It's a lot, a lot of money. And again, that's why there's a lot of people losing money in this NFT space. And I'm optimistic about it. I love NFTs. I think it's really cool. I think it's going to change a lot of stuff. But to our point earlier, there's a lot of crap that's got to be fixed in it. And um, that's why Solana is super popular right now is because for many reasons, but their transaction fees are nothing compared to like Ethereum blockchain. All right, so you have to have a wallet. I can't just pay cash for an NFT. You, you again, it depends on the project. And that's why we're working backwards. Like there are some projects that will let you use a debit card. And I've never done that. And I don't really understand that fully. I know um, um, the NFL and a lot of the sports cards and stuff, they were letting you purchase them, purchase them through a reg regular dollars. Um, but what's interesting with that is you have to have separate wallets for stuff like that. Um, so like right now, Brian and I, we don't hold a ton of NFTs compared to some people. I think we have maybe 20 or something. Um, but we have like two or three different wallets because depending on where we purchase them from, it depend you know, dictates where we can bring them on our wallet. It's super confusing and nuts. That's why I tell people like when you're just starting off and you want to do this, go super basic. Don't research everything and try to figure it all out. Like just make a very, very small purchase somewhere 
and learn that really well and then kind of expand because it's limitless. It's nuts, dude. Yeah, because for this show, I bought $1,000 of Bitcoin six months ago, and I did that on Coinbase. But I don't think I have a wallet on Coinbase, but maybe I do already have a wallet and I don't know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of really good tutorials on. I love MetaMask tutorials. If you, um, they have like, I'm, I need things broken down. Like they have like cartoons showing you how to do everything. It's it's really fun. Uh, okay, so say say we went through that and we bought an NFT. How do I then sell it? And get cash back, so I have cash in my hand again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on um, again, when your when your wallet is connected to um, OpenSea, let's say, then you can see your wallet in OpenSea and actually pick which NFT that you want to sell. And it's literally this. We did a video on it the other day. It's so simple. It's almost like eBay when you like list something, you just click sell and you set a price and you can do a one-time bit or you can do an auction. Um, There's some choices there. And then you just put it up for bid. When somebody buys it, then you transfer that money back backwards. Like we just said, so it's in your wallet. Let's say it's Ethereum. You want to get it into dollars. So you have to bring it back into the Coinbase, the crypto exchange, then you have to sell it. So then you pick Ethereum to dollars, but you can also in there put Ethereum to Solana. You can trade it, whatever you want to do. And then you have to bring it back into your bank account. And guess what? Fee, fee, fee. (laughs) Yeah. Also, you mentioned that you bought an NFT and then you regretted it or something and you sold it. Have you, how many have you sold and have you had trouble selling any? Haven't had trouble selling any. one we sold, we wish we hadn't have. You know how I told you paper hands earlier? We had paper hands. Um, we made a freaking amazing profit off of it, but where we made some good money, we could have made three times that if we had waited two more weeks. It was one of those situations. Um, and also, too, we learned more about NFTs and realized this wasn't a quick flip project. We should have, I mean, there was just a million things. We were just dumb as crap, but um that didn't have any problem selling. And I think we've only sold one other one and we didn't have any problems, but yeah, I mean, if you buy a crap project and maybe you get, and this is another thing that's really, really important to know, make sure you're buying from the right person. You know what I mean? Like one time we tried buying into a a project and we didn't really check and make sure we were buying from a verified source and we bought an nft that was a fake oh whoa we were were buying a dapper dino okay which is a a project in a community and when we went to OpenSea, we saw other dapper dinos on there um but they weren't verified so you'll see a blue check mark just like on uh instagram and you know that's a verified account you can also see how many people have bought and sold so just being smart, you would know if there's been a lot of sales, a lot of people who have bought them, there's the blue check mark. These are verified people. We weren't smart and <laughs> we were new to it. And we just saw Dapper Dinos and assumed it was the right NFT. Well, it was a, it was a copycat. Somebody had made something similar to Dapper Dinos, named it something similar and were used leveraging the brand Dapper Dinos to 
to make sales. And you'll see people do that. So be very cautious of that. Um, and what ended up happening is they got, I guess, reported or whatever. So the next day, the fake dyno we bought wasn't in our wallet anymore. And guess what? The Ethereum was still gone. So we had still paid for it. That's crazy. Yep. Though I'm glad you told us that story, yep. which to me, yep. simplifying things, just make sure there's a blue check mark is sort of my takeaway. Yes. And look at, you know, on OpenSea, when you're on the project, you can see how many people have bought and traded and all that. And if that number doesn't make sense, like, you know, this is a big project and it says three people own it. Mm -hmm. I mean, just do some, <laughs> you know, we weren't smart. We, we didn't pay attention to that stuff. That's amazing. If I purchase an NFT now on December 10th, 2021, and I hold on to it, will it be around for my great, great, great grandchildren? I think hypothetically it will be around because essentially this technology is supposed to be like imprinted, like final. Will it look the same? Will you access it the same? Absolutely not. I think in one year, you and I will be having a very different conversation. All right. Everyone heard it here. Heather will be back in one year and we'll see what's going on. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be a lot smarter then than I am now. <laughs> You're very smart right now. Okay. So somebody on LinkedIn told me I had to ask about utility NFT or NFTs utility? Do you know anything about that? Yeah. It, essentially, that's just the, the the functionality of it, of like what we were mentioning with the, the, the smart contracts, like what does it mean and represent? So I know your listeners are creatives and artists and so forth. And so, you know, if I, let's say I have an NFT, Coldplay is my favorite band. Coldplay comes out with an NFT um, and it's cool art, whatever, but also too, in that smart contract, the utility of that is it gets me into two concerts a year for free. And then it gives me 10% off their merch table. And I also get exclusive blah, 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 blah. Like it's like a membership, you know what I mean? So the utility of the NFT is dependent on the project. Um, but that's the appeal of them essentially for, and, and an opportunity for creatives to be creative. All right. And I had some questions about the creative side of it, but I think you're not on that side of this. No, I'm not. We are in the process of making our very first NFT and documenting the process. So today we record our very first episode on that, where we're going from like, we know nothing to creating our first one. So we'll know some stuff here soon. Because <laughs> when I was a young little Ethan, I thought, okay, I'm going to do an NFT episode and then I'm going to make an NFT and I was going to do the same thing as you. And then I got overwhelmed. So anybody wanting to follow that process and make your own NFT, go listen to NFT for newbies because it's going to be fantastic. You'll hear a lot of mistakes, but we're, we're going to figure it out. That's good. Well, we already learned from your mistake, blue check mark. Blue Look check for mark. the blue check mark. <laughs> and hold them. Hold it on to them. Don't have paper. Hoddle, hands. hoddle. Tevya, hoddle. hoddle. <laughs> um, okay, so if I don't own an NFT today, have I missed out? No. Oh my gosh. No, we're so early. We're so early. I was just listening to a podcast today where it said, and this was recorded a couple of months ago, so it's changed, I'm sure. But I think it's, you know, it's less than 5%. I want to say it's really closer to 1% of people even own NFTs. And I think it's like over 50, 58% of people are invested in the start market less are invested in cryptocurrency and like less than 5% closer to 1% people are invested in NFTs. People are, don't know what it is. It's not this one-time day trading thing with art and flipping and all this stuff. It's going to transform our interactions in general. Um, we are at the very beginning stages of it and it's 
very important if you're a business owner, if you're creative, if you have a brand, if you want to figure this out, whether you agree with NFTs or not, learn what's going on and have a voice in this space and figure out how you can use this technology to spread the message of whatever you have going on that you're passionate about because it's here to stay. And and also before this, I looked up some data. So in December, 2021, the NFT market is currently valued at $7 billion. So that's a lot. There's a financial person called Doug Clinton, and he's making the case that eventually it will be worth $2 trillion. That's how early on we are. As of August 2021, there was 280,000 active wallets. And so I'm just saying that because there's 7 billion people in the world. And so if you have an NFT wallet, mm-hmm. early, you are one of like 0.000001% of people in the world that are dealing with NFTs. So That's right. The first NFT was created by Kevin McCoy on May 3rd, 2014. They've been around for seven years. Jeez. <laughs> it's huge now. It's been around for seven years. So it's to me, it's not really a fly by night if it's no. I mean, it's been here for seven years, but also it's still super early. Yep. Yeah, we haven't missed out. We haven't. You haven't. <laughs> Although we'll check back in, in a year and see if I have an NFT. Okay. And we'll decide <laughs> if I've if I've missed out by then. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so Heather, if somebody listening wants to purchase an NFT or wants to get involved in it and learn more. Um, What can they do right after this episode to go learn more or purchase one? Oh, goodness. Well, I would say don't go purchase one right now. I would say go learn about NFTs a little bit and um, learn about the NFT project that you're interested in. That's what I would say. Don't purchase anything just yet. There's a lot of FOMO going around. So um, there's some really great resources online. Um, I would say Twitter is a great place to learn. Um, Also, there's a real whole bunch of great YouTube tutorials. put in very basic terms like for beginners, um, education, stuff like that. And don't be afraid to ask people uh, questions if, you know, people for the most part want to help in this community. And I just joined LinkedIn recently. I, in preparation for this episode, I found a bunch of NFT creators on LinkedIn and they're posting about what they're doing. So also that's another resource people could go is go find an NFT artist and see, see what they're posting. Great. Heather, is there anything that I missed that you maybe wanted to say about NFTs or any of this? I don't think so. I don't think so. I just want to encourage anyone who's listening who feels overwhelmed with it. I do too. And I'm consuming this stuff left and right. Um, We need good people in this space really bad. We need heart-centered, generous people who really care about the state of our world to enter into this space and help make change and find solutions to stuff. Um, And that's what I've been a little discouraged on is a lot of people, good people are like, oh, this is going to ruin us as a humanity. So they step away, but this is the very time we need those people to lean in and be a voice because since we are new and early in this space, I really think that we can make a real difference of, of like culturally how this space is used. Um, And even just very small ways of, of the way that you interact in this community and some of the questions you bring up and things. We need leaders. We need heart-centered leaders here. So lean in if you're interested in it. And I just actually want to echo that point because it's so good. And just yesterday, I was reading about how the cryptocurrency fluctuations in the past year have made a bunch of money for white supremacist groups. Mm. We need environmentalists and such in this place. And we need those leaders Amen. because it's here to stay and we, we need that. Amen. 
All right. So last question, where can people, where can people connect with you? Sure. NFTs for newbies. Look us up. We're everywhere. Um, we just started a YouTube channel where we walk through all the stuff we talked about today about like how to buy, how to sell. We screen share, we laugh, we have a lot of fun. Um, so if you need a visual element, check out our YouTube and our course, our podcast. Amazing. All right, Heather, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing all of this with us. Of course. It was an honor. It was an honor. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's episode. My takeaways are don't jump in. So I'm a big proponent of jumping out of the plane and building the parachute on the way down, but that might not be a good idea with NFTs. If you're going to run before you can walk, pick an NFT from a reputable name. So don't pick an artist that you love, but isn't connected to a larger picture or movement. Unless of course you love the art and then absolutely do support that artist, but not as an investment. Another takeaway I had was NFTs are not art. They are a unique digital asset. They can be art, and that's how they've gotten the most headlines, but they are just digital ownership of some digital thing. And this is a big takeaway. Don't get overwhelmed. There's a lot to NFTs. And what I hope to prove with this episode is that, yes, they're complicated, but no more complicated than, say, a website. So I don't know the back end of how websites work, but I can still jump in and interact with them. And the same goes for NFTs. Just because I don't know how to make one or open a wallet, I can still become a user and take action as I need to learn the space. And my final takeaway is that while we're early in the NFT stage of society, learning how to use them right now puts us ahead of the adoption curve. So whether you use them as an artist to claim ownership of your work, or if you're gonna purchase them as an investment, Getting involved right now makes you a trailblazer. All right, remember to re-listen to this episode anytime you need a quick review of NFT terms and keep artistic finance in your feed as we have more NFT episodes coming up. One with Bob Boniel talking metaverse and how NFTs can be used for live events and another with Brooklyn artist Anna Kuczynski who is an NFT artist creating and selling them. What do you think? Are you an artist and do you create or own NFTs? Did we leave anything out of this discussion? Let me know by leaving a comment on LinkedIn or email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to know about NFTs and I'll do my best to help us along. If you like this content and you want to keep it going, please remember our optional fee for listening. That fee is to tell someone about the show whether it's a friend, a family member, or someone you've met on Match.com and you're trying to impress them with your knowledge of art and finance, share an episode with them and let them know why they might like the show. If you've already paid the optional fee and you want to be even more supportive, please become a patron. When you become a patron, you get early access to episodes and a private podcast feed. You don't get an artistic finance NFT because they don't exist yet or possibly ever, but if they do, Patrons will be first in line. So if you're feeling in the holiday spirit and you want to support me for 2022, join up at patreon.com slash artistic finance. Thanks in advance for making such a generous and kind move. And a couple final things to share for those super listeners who have made it this far into the episode. So first, Ellen at Live Design has invited artistic finance back to LDI in 2022 for another live episode. If you want to attend, mark your calendars for when to go to Las Vegas. 
That is November 18th and 19th, 2022, which will be here sooner than we know it. And just like this year, I'll be happy to get anyone a free pass to the conference. And finally, if you listen to this episode before December 31st and you want to devote 13 minutes of your life to voting for the Broadway World Off-Off Broadway Awards, I was nominated for Best Lighting Design for Seesaw. Now it's a popularity contest and I'm running a distant, distant third behind some amazingly talented lighting designers, but if you want to help a human out, Find the link at the bottom of the show notes and vote for Seesaw. Super listeners, thank you for sharing this time with me. And a special thank you to my patrons, the newbies and the OGs. You are the best. And remember to put a little something extra in your retirement account for a holiday gift to yourself. And vote for Seesaw. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.